Hello everybody, after a short hiatus, it's Lucas Holmes and David Redden back with our AFL uh, podcast, and without any further ado, the great man Lucas Holmes here. G'day Louie, how are you? Uh, good morning David, uh, morning ladies and gentlemen, and that was a preliminary final weekend, uh, unlike any other in previous years David, we've often seen some nail-biting clashes, you think between the two of us, we had that marvellous Collingwood and GWS game a few years ago, and going back uh, even further, the Western Bulldogs, GWS, and yeah, 10 years ago now that the hard-stopping Hawthorne and Collingwood game where Luke Ball snapped that last-minute goal about a decade ago now, but some blowouts last weekend, that's for sure. Yeah, actually almost disappointing, Lucas. I think that Giants-Footscray game in 2016 is one of the best games of football I've ever seen. And um, it was that was played at Giants Stadium, actually. And strangely enough, I wasn't there. I was at a pre, uh, pre-season cricket trip in Canberra. So we all sat around the, I think it's the Bel- the Belconnen Sports Club and watched it with everybody. And the Raiders were playing in the other room. So they punted us to another room and watched it. So it is a great memory. And of course, Luke Ball kicking a winning score for, that would have been Collingwood winning that game against Hawthorne, wouldn't it, Lucas Hayes? It was. And it was that same game where Buddy Franklin um, in, that, in, his, in the opposite pocket kicked that um, wonderful triple goal along the ground as well. So some great memories from that game as well. Yeah, he kicked it inside out, wrong foot, wrong way and everything and still kicked it. Uh, Just briefly, because the results were actually quite extraordinary in how powerful the two wins were. In the first preliminary final, Melbourne, 1911, Geelong, 6-6. Max Gorn produced a performance that's going to scare everybody else because I'm not sure if if the doggies can match him kicking five goals and scoring so many champion data points. It was like two games in one. Uh, The second preliminary final, um, a massive blowout for the Western Bulldogs. I did watch the start of that. I didn't see much of Melbourne and Geelong uh, due to other commitments, but with Western Bulldogs and Port Adelaide, the first quarter, the doggies set it up and just put the foot down for the entire match. I did tip the Western Bulldogs, actually, Lucas, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I thought that they'd get home and... I didn't think they'd do this, but this is why they're dangerous. I think they kicked six of the first seven and seven of the first eight. The Dogs 17-14, Port Adelaide 6-9, and there's been hell to pay in the Adelaide press since that happened. Going back to Melbourne and Geelong, what a performance, Lucas. Geelong looking... I've got some questions from our mate Prime Possum about Geelong for you in a minute, but Melbourne made Geelong look second rate. They did, if we go back even further to this was my tip for the grand final. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it didn't eventually because a game like this we haven't seen since probably the um, Geelong Port Adelaide game in what was that 2007. So oh no, Richmond, know, Richmond and the Giants oh, was sorry, the selecting. The Giants a few years ago, yep, there's that too. But nonetheless, can't take anything away from Melbourne there. That was outstanding, weren't they? Five goals to one in the first term, um, setting the demons into their first grand final since 2000. So they've been waiting a long time and. Um, it came, it came well, didn't it? You spoke about Max Gorn there. He was superb. Five goals dominated in the ruck. We we spoke about, you and I both um, explained our concerns about whether Reece Stanley and the start of Radical League could hold up against Max Gorn. And that, there, was a, there was a fairly quick answer there, wasn't there? But yes. other than that, they were they were great across the ground. The only sour point, though, that was uh, Stephen May was subbed out of the game in the third term with some hamstring tightness. So that the uh, week off between the preliminary and grand final is going to do the Demons and Mayer a world of good you'd expect, but you can't take anything away from, from Melbourne. They were dominant. Um, we spoke about those couple of changes coming into the game last week. That's how. That's what happened. Hibbert came in and replaced Joel Smith. And on the Geelong side of things, Sean Higgins replaced the injured Brandon Parfitt. His season uh, 
finished before before the preliminary final loss too with a hamstring injury. But in terms of the statistics, David, Jack Viney, superb. He's sort of gone under the radar this year. 34 disposals, five tackles, nine clearances for uh, the former demon skipper, Christian Petrarca, 32 disposals, a goal, going along with three tackles and eight clearances. And on the Geelong side of things, David, Patrick Dangerfield, 30 disposals, four tackles and 10 clearances. Oh, he was uh, he was their best player by far. Lucas, I think it's a, it's a perfect segue. Um, Ryan Stanton, our great mate, the Prime Possum, wrote me some questions because um, he's actually listening to our podcast. Thank you, Possum, for listening. Um, just a couple of questions for you quickly, Louis. First one, these are all from Ryan Stanton, everybody, our great mate. Is Geelong's list still good enough to challenge for the Premiership in 2022? It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I'll, I'll go first. Yeah, go, yep. No. Yep. It's not because the other teams have developed around them. They're one of the oldest lists in the league. Um, in my opinion, they are not good enough with the current list to make the top four next year. I think other teams will improve around them. Over to you. Yeah, age is a, age is the number. I don't, I don't think they will be either. Um, I have concerns with them sort of about a quarter of the way through the season before Jeremy Cameron came back and um, made a difference to their forward line. But I'm with you there. I don't think they will. The age is... Is the main and probably only issue at the moment. Um, just a fair few plays over that thirty mark. It's slightly concerning. Yes, in finals, normally the experience does you a world of good, but having to manage those plays through the season would be tough. And I just don't think, sort of, with, the, with their age demographic, yes, they've got some good young players coming through. Brian Myers is probably um, probably right at the top of that list, and Tom Henry's. Um, developing into an outstanding young back as well. But I just don't think with that age um, and with the recruits they brought in, you saw last year in came Sean Higgins came in, um, Cameron Cameron's a little bit younger. Yes. They also brought in Isaac Smith, who's a great player, don't get me wrong, but just with the age and some of their, their stars of their side are older as well. Yes. Selwood's in the, in the twilight of his career. Um, Dangerfield's coming back going towards the back end of his prime, in my opinion. So I just don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out for them in the next year or so going forward. Next question from Ryan. Do they attempt to trade in experienced plays to correct their shortcoming? What, what, what can you trade, though? As, we spoke, as I spoke about there, all their, sort of their better players are sort of older and getting on, and most of those players would be... Um, would be eligible for a free agency. I haven't looked at it. I haven't got it in front of me, but you'd expect that to be the case with how long they've been at the club. So, yes, they could, but it's just a matter of what of, of what value you get for them on the trade table in terms of um, players from other clubs and draft picks. Do they instead concede that they have to rebuild and then drop down a bit and go into a rebuilding phase? Is that that's the next to, question from Ryan? You've almost got to bottom out and start again, I think. Um, there's been some changes at the club in terms of off-the-field administration, long-time CEO Ryan Cook's actually just been picked up by Carlton. I'll speak about that a little later on. Yep. That could, um, could mean for Carlton going forward too because I think there's a real chance that Alistair Clarkson, in my opinion, could be there next year now. Um, but we'll speak about that a little bit later Are on. Are you referring to 2022 or 2023 for Clark? 20, 2022. Okay, well, um, that that's the, the first subject we'll go to after we... Talk briefly about Port and the Western Bulldogs, but keep going, my friend. Yeah, so I think you've almost got to concede defeat. I think they've been up, they've been there and thereabouts, haven't they, for the last, really the last 10 years, haven't they? So even longer than that, 15 years, really. So they've been one of the most steady and consistent clubs over that period. 
yes, they've only brought in a few premierships over that time, but I think you've almost got to concede. And with a club like Geelong, we've seen that from Sydney in the past as well. Last year was Sydney's bottom out period, and they only just missed the eight. So I think something like that could uh, help Geelong out in the long run. And Ryan's point is, how do they get plays in when their first draft picks at 30? That's a very good point, actually. They're going to have to, if they want to bring in people, they're going to have to sacrifice a hell of a lot. And the question is, which player under 25 or 26 at Geelong is the best trade bait? And I, I, I honestly can't, I can't identify that. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough call for them. And I thank Ryan Stanton for those questions. Um, it'll be fascinating to see how Geelong move on. Lucas, Western Bulldogs absolutely pogoed Port Adelaide at the Adelaide Oval. There's no other way to describe it. They were amazing. And this man, Bailey Smith, whose only uh, handicap is that he's got a terrible haircut, is cutting the finals to pieces. But goodness gracious me, when you consider what the Bulldogs had been through, they've gone from Launceston to Brisbane to Adelaide. And this performance was quite outrageous. Over to you, sir. Western Bulldogs, 17-14. Port Adelaide, a paltry 6-9. Yeah, he'd almost be a shoe-in for the Gary Ayres medal at the moment, I think. David being the uh, player of the final series overall, um, Bailey Smith. But it was a 100th match that you want to forget for Dan Houston, wasn't it? There's a Western Bulldogs that keep, what, three or four goals in the first five minutes. Yep. And they didn't look back. Their seven goals, two in that opening quarter was actually their highest score of the season. So uh, in a game to turn it on like that, this was the one... We all thought Port Adelaide in front of a home crowd um, could sort of turbocharge and, um, and and get into their first grand final in a long time, but it wasn't the case. The Western Bulldogs were superb from the early going. You spoke about their Smith. He had four goals. Um, J- J- Jack McRae, 36 disposals, uh, six tackles and four clearances, but they were just dominant, weren't they? Sort of like you only got sort of the first quarter and a quarter and a half of this match, but that's more or less all we needed to see, wasn't it? So... Um, Western Bulls way too strong, way too powerful. And when a side like that gets on a roll, as we saw a few years ago, and they're very, very hard to stop, particularly with their um, midfield depth. But I think what, what's going to not limit them, but maybe hamper them uh, next weekend is their ruck situation. They bought in Stephen Martin. David, he's been injured for the majority of the season, and Tim English sort of hasn't been himself in the back half of this season, in my opinion. English actually played very good football in that final against Essendon in the in the wet at, at York Park at Launceston, Lucas. And um, interestingly, on a side note, it's great to see that York Park's going to be used for the WBBL, which is wonderful news that came out the last couple of days, Louis. Um, but yes, that, that they could be exposed. Martin's got to play the game of his life, and you wonder whether they'll sacrifice someone to go and tag Gorn. I actually think that Gorn's very hard to stop. Um, you could probably say, look, he's going to get this many touches, but you don't want him kicking goals. And that's where Geelong failed. They just didn't, couldn't stop that. Um, I thought um, there was one goal that when I knew, I knew that Port Adelaide were off when Bontempelli was on his own in the goal square and roved a goal and kicked it a, a lovely goal at that, at that um, uh, park away end, the, the grassy hill end of the Adelaide Oval. I thought, hang on a second, this is just not right. And they just destroyed them. Um, that's the type of daring run with football they're going to have to play this um, this Saturday night in Perth, which we'll talk about in our podcast during the week. But look, they were superb, and they're getting better in the finals. They, remember, they've beaten Brisbane and Port Adelaide at home to get there. I think that they deserve to be there, and they probably are showing that their end of season slump was exactly that 
it was a minor slump. No, I agree there. They're definitely, as we saw in their premiership year 2016, they're peaking at the right time. They had a few fixtures that didn't go that way and results at the back end of the season, but that hasn't stopped them, hasn't hasn't it really? Adam Chalor played a little bit more midfield time. He was dominant as well. So their midfield depth is scary. Uh, so too is Melbourne's. We'll go into matchups, as you said, uh, later in the week. But I think it's, it's going to be a battle of, mid, of the midfields. Um, with no Josh Bruce on the Western Bulldogs end, um, Tom McDonald's been good good for um, Melbourne, and so too has Ben Brown actually the last few weeks. So um, we'll dive deeply into those in a couple of days, but can't wait for it, David. And neither can I. Louis, um, let's go first of all with a couple of things to speak about. Well, quite, there's always seems to speak about the Carlton at the moment. Lucas, um, Carlton have picked up the best CEO in the land in Brian Cook. I'm sure they've offered him and their, their president, new president will be wrapped with that. It'll give some positive news going through Princess Park. Brian Cook's gone as their new chief executive. Lucas, this is a perfect segue. I'd like to hand over to you. You now think that Alistair Clarkson is a real chance at wearing navy blue in 2022. Can you please talk us through what your thoughts are and why you think that? I do, David. I just think both Carlton and Collingwood off the ground in terms of boards and administration have had instability at the moment. And um, Brian Cook, as we spoke about there, is anything bar that. He's had a 32-year career today in administration with both Geelong and the West Coast Eagles. And I think with someone like Cook, very experienced, very knowledgeable, would have respect all over the league. I think that's something that Alistair Clarkson may, may sit, back, sit back and take a look at if he's going to jump into coaching. He said on a number of occasions he plans to have uh, season 22 off and then spend time with his family and hopefully go travelling. But I think a move like that, Carlton, a move like that from Carlton, Sort of signals their intent. They're wanting a, they're wanting a top of the line coach. I was reading earlier in the week the last the two names left on their list in terms of coaches, the potential coaches for season twenty twenty two were Michael Voss, um, assistant at Port Adelaide and assistant at Richmond in Adam Kingsley, who who both just fell short in the Collingwood coaching race. But I think a move like that by Carlton to get Cook, I'm replacing outgoing uh, CEO Kane Little, who was let go early last week um, was quoted saying that they, they're going to back me or they're going to sack me and, that, and they've done the latter on that occasion. I really think that Carlton getting, getting Cook, uh, Brian Cook's really not targeting Clarkson in a sense, but it's a move that I think Clarkson will have to sit back and take a look at if he wants to uh, keep going into coaching into season 20, 2022. So oh goodness me! I'm sorry, everybody. There's an ad that's just come up on my telly. I'll just uh, get rid of that. Excuse me, everyone, please. I do apologise. The dangers of having multiple websites open, everyone. Sorry about that. Look, it's about time Carlton did did something positive, and um, I actually think that David Teague's a reasonable coach. I think that their players need a massive um, culture change and attitude change. I think they're lazy. Um, you and I have spoken before about their their unwillingness to run back in defence. They all love going forward of the ball. Um, and when you watch someone like the Giants play and a couple of other clubs, that the watching them defend and how fit they are and how, how hard they run back. Melbourne's another example. This is exactly what Carlton need. They Carlton have been in the doldrums pretty much since they got pogoed of the um, uh, of 
Brendan Goddard out of being a draft pick. That's 20 years ago, Lucas, 21 years ago. So it's about time they did this. Cook's 65 years of age. You'd think he'd have a four or five-year target in mind to get Carlton, first of all, into the eight and become a powerhouse. They've certainly got some very good players. Um, I don't think they're finished recruiting either. Um, but it's your point about Clarkson now having everything in place to move into that area um, quickly is good. Unfortunately, it is probably not the right time to be considering travelling at the moment, Lucas, and I'm not being a, a smart smarty pants there. I just think that it's if the, everything's in place, Clarkson's um, youngest son is just about to finish the Victorian equivalent of the HSC. So I think it's called the VCE down there. So, look, everything for mine with Cook going there, I, I agree with you. I think it's time for Carlton to act, and, and there will be a massive clean-out if Clarkson walks in that joint. Don't you worry about that. Um, so, look, watch this space, I think, Lucas, is the best thing. But it is a great pickup getting Brian Cook, and it shows me that they're trying to head in the right direction. And, and, and that flows on to what I was going to bring up next, actually, David. Go. With, um, Brian Cook leaving um, leaving Geelong, is it, and it was announced a few months ago now, but Steve, Stephen Hawking's filling um, Brian Cook's CEO role at Geelong. And in the last few days, it was announced that uh, former North Melbourne coach Brad Scott um, has moved into the um, AFL department there, um, working with Andrew Dillon, under Andrew Dillon in their footy operations department, um, working working alongside Andrew Dillon too, is uh, the current uh, North Melbourne football operations uh, boss, Laura Kane as well. So there's a, a revamped AFL uh, footy operations department there, Scott. That, that appointment would seem to me that Scott's out of the running of a head coach Head coach role, David. It's I, great to I, I think Brad Scott's quite comfortable not being in a in a coaching role. Yeah, well, he he was uh he was the head coach of the uh, develop the development. I'm not sure at the AFL, I think as well. So he was doing wasn't doing club coaching, but overseeing their talent pathway. So there would be something similar to Clarkson. It would have to be a situation that um, Scott was willing to walk into, and that he was comfortable and with the people around that would. Um, move him away from that role. But I think, as you said there, he'd be very comfortable in the, in the new role that he's now in. Correct. Lucas, before we look at the Brownlow medal to finish off t- today's potty, um, we'll go into some club champions that have been announced, that they're best and fairest for some clubs. And I'll run through them. Um, we'll go one by one. The Adelaide Crows. Uh, third was Paul Seisman, an ex-Collingwood player who's done very well in Adelaide. Second, Ben Keyes. And on 123 votes, Rory Laird wins the Brown and Blight medal. Great performance from Rory Laird. It was, David. He's a defender turned midfielder of the last two seasons. He's been outstanding. Um, he, he's probably the smoky for me. If he was to poll in the Brownlow medal this evening, probably be top five, you'd think. But no, outstanding couple of seasons now for Rory Laird, really. Um, you spoke about Keyes there as well. He finished in second place. He's a younger player, but as real, Laird and Keyes were outstanding um, for Adelaide this season. Oh, no question. They were terrific. Um, someone had to stand up. Brisbane, you were telling me off air, this is Dane Zorko's fifth BNF for Brisbane. In fifth place, the new All-Australian Daniel Rich, Brandon Starcevich in fourth, Jared Lyons third, Hugh McCluggage, who's a terrific footballer in second, and Dane Zorko wins the Merritt Murray medal. Mur- that's hard to say. Merritt Murray medal with 340 votes. A great performance from Dane Zorko. Indeed. Um, they're skipping to it at Brisbane at the moment. It's been outstanding. Um, McCluggage was solid. He was, he was good in there their final series along the season too and you spoke about Daniel Rich there 
Um, they've sort of more of the experienced players. Cluggage is a bit younger, but Jared Lyons is an outstanding pickup from Gold Coast a few, few years ago. And Oscar McInerney's up there as well, alongside Harris Andrews. So the depth's there for Brisbane. They've just got to sort of capitalise on their positions they've been in the last two or three years. Indeed. All the way down to the Gold Coast Suns and their club champion won by what I reckon will be a record across the league. In fifth was Charlie Ballard, fourth Sam Collins, third the uh, redoubtable and consistent David Swallow, second was Will Powell. But by 166 votes, Tuke Miller becomes the club champion of the Gold Coast Suns and I expect him to do very well tonight in the Brown Eye Medal, which we'll talk about in a minute. But what a superb performance and a, a, not a breakout year, but he's become an elite AFL player, has he not, Lucas? Well, he's been taken notice by the national media is what's, is what's happened, David. Most of the time, those interstate players, unless they're outstanding for a long period of time, don't really get a lot of move in the national media. But it's been Tuke Miller's year in that, in that respect. He's been outstanding this year, David. Uh, indeed, uh, he's been superb. Down to Hawthorne, and Chad Wingard was fifth on 100 votes, and Dylan Moore, Jago O'Mara, Blake Hardwick in second, and Tom Mitchell coming back from that terrible broken leg, a comfortable Peter Crimmins medal for Tom Mitchell on 161 votes, and shows that he's one of the best uh, on-ballers in the competition, winning a, cl- a club best and fairest, Louis. Yeah, no doubt. I think it's his third uh, best and fairest medal, medal there for Hawthorne. He's just going from strength to strength. you you mentioned there that horrific injury that ended his 2020 season prematurely and he's come on strength to strength. We've spoken about him in the last few weeks too. Potential trade target for other clubs, which I find uh, interesting to say the least. But I suppose he's, he, he's sort of mid, mid-prime at the moment. So there's a lot of... Um, lot of um, so what I'm trying to say here, if he were to be on the trade table, there'd be a lot of value for him, excuse me, David, but I just don't see someone... Hawthorne moving him for the way he's been playing the last two or three seasons. I can. There's one player that comes to mind, and you have mentioned him, and I will say this is a Lucas Holmes pickup. There's a bloke from Fremantle that wants to move home. I can see Tom Mitchell being trade bait for Fremantle with Chera. Chera, okay, yep. And I that that would be an interesting. That would be a very interesting. Uh, trade deal, Lucas, because both sides would get something. With Mundy getting into his 30s, Nathaniel Fife in the second half of his career, Tom Mitchell would fit into that from Antle midfield quite well. So watch this space. But you were the first one to mention on our podcast about Chera after the news came out. Just watch this space for that one. We'll see what happens. With Richmond, um, they're, they're top five. Martin, Martin and Rewalt were equal fifth. Then Shy Bolton in fourth, Liam Barker and Jack Graham equal second. And the, the Jack Dye medalist this year, Dylan Grimes on 51 votes, a very good performance from a re, um, very re, dependable and reliable footballer, Dylan Grimes. In, indeed, you might be looking at the next Richmond captain too, David. Earlier in the week, uh, Trent Cotchins uh, might be announced that he won't be uh, continuing his captaincy at, at Richmond in season 2022. And I think... It'll be either Dylan Grimes or Jack Rebolt for me, who will be the next captain of the Richmond Football Club. Grimes would make more sense. He's a bit younger. On to yep. the Trevor Barker Award at St Kilda. And, and, and you're too young, Lucas. You never had a chance to watch Trevor Barker play football. Oh, my goodness. The late Trevor Barker was a talent. In equal fifth, Brad Hill and Brad Couch. Then Callum Wilkie fourth, Tim Rembry third, Jack Sinclair second. And Jack Steele, clearly, by 234 votes to 155. The best and fairest award winner at St Kilda getting the Trevor Barker Award. Lucas, we'll talk more about Jack Steele in a minute, but I know you think he's a very strong chance of finishing top three in the Brown line. Yeah, indeed, David. Um, he's had a strong three, sort of back-to-back-to-back seasons now. Jack Steele, 
Um, so he's been he's been superb. He's had a few Australian um, uh, top forties and and twenty uh, twos for all the last few years. So he's been outstanding as Jack Steele. He has the Bob Skelton Medal for the Sydney Swans. I'm very surprised that Tom Hickey didn't get in their top five, but he finished sixth. In fifth, Callum Mills. Fourth, Tom Papley. Um, I find it astonishing that Tom Hickey would get less votes than Tom Papley. Papley's a very good player, but Hickey was unbelievable for the Swans. Jordan Dawson in third, Jake Lloyd second, showing how many young, talented players the Swans have got. And Luke Parker wins the Bob Skelton medal and has re-signed at Sydney uh, long-term, Lucas, which is massively important for, for them and Parker, who's a great footballer. He has. He's won a number of Bob Skilton medals now, David. But looking at that top 10, one player they won't have next season is Jordan Dawson. He's officially requested a trade back home to South Australia. He's already toured the Adelaide Crows facilities, David, there at Westlake. So Port Adelaide still think he's a chance to come into them. But it's uh, the Adelaide Crows in the box seat at the moment for the services of Jordan Dawson from next season. Well, that's a shame. I really think that's a shame. He played great football for them. But, yeah, again, it, it's, it's very hard for you and me coming from not very far away from each other on the New South Wales East Coast. It's hard for us to understand what it's like for Victorians and South Australians when they get drafted away from home. And those two states, there's so many players that get drafted interstate that just want to go home, Louis. Um, it's, it's, it's something that I think it's hard to understand being a New South Welshman. I, I think it's worth to talk about with you. I know you've got opinions on these sorts of things, but... Yeah, um, they, so many of them just want to go home. It's, it's. I would have thought being a footballer living at Coolangatta would have been a reasonably good, good life, Luke, because I, I don't know. But your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I, we, yeah. we spoke about it at length over over a period of time there, especially from a, um, a person from interstate playing with um, the Swans and GWS specifically. In terms of getting noticed, you wouldn't have much traction in terms of people seeing you out on the street and recognising you. Yes, diehard um, supporters of the game like you and I and a number of others would, yes, but um, sort of the general public, you wouldn't sort of get recognised in, in New South Wales particularly compared to the other states. But probably like Jordan Dawson, he's come on leaps and bounds this season and to see him go home is a shame for the Swans, but it'd be a, it'd be a big pick-up for somewhere like Adelaide who are re still in a rebuilding stage in Port Adelaide who too actually had uh, Jeremy Finlayson down there for uh, a medical in the last few weeks as well, which is interesting because I don't think uh, a key forward is what Port Adelaide are after when you've got Charlie Dixon down there as well. So that's an interesting move there by Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide if they're going to pull that one off as well, but nonetheless. Yeah, look, oh, I can understand people from Adelaide in particular not overly wanting to live in Sydney. It's such a different sort of a city, but yeah, look... It, it's, I think it's always going to be the way that these sorts of guys from the southern and western states want to go home. I don't think there's much we can do to avoid it. And then finally, uh, of the clubs that have had their best and fairest, the West Coast Eagles' John Warsford medal was held. Jack Darling was in fifth. Jack Redden, who's got the best surname in the AFL, finished fourth. Andrew Gaff, third. Dom Sheed, second. But comfortably, Nick Nat Newey, with 200 votes, wins the John Warsford medal. And also an All-Australian nomination on the bench this year. Nat Newey has been superb. In what, for the West Coast Eagles, Lucas, was a disappointing season in the long run? Yeah, back-to-back after back, uh, John Warsaw medals for Nick Nat Newey. He was superb, wasn't he? He was the number one rated player in terms of champion data this season. New number one player in the game in terms of analytics and data and all those sort of things where the game's heading at the moment in a number of sports around the world. But 
he was outstanding, wasn't he? Dom Sheed, also influential. I'm looking further down that list, though. Oscar Allen was... He had an interesting year this year, normally a key forward, but they played him key defence as well in a number of times due to the injuries of Tom Barras and Jeremy McGovern having injuries throughout the season. But uh, Nick Matanui, no more deserving winner for West Coast, in my opinion. Agreed. On to the Brownlow medal, which will finish off our podcast for today. Again, please note we'll do a special grand final podcast during the week. Lucas and I will align our work times together and get you a potty during the week. Um, the Brownlow Medal is held tonight. Now, just some broadcast details for you. I've got an article here from ABC. Optus Stadium is the venue for tonight's Brownlow Medal. It will start, the actual medal count itself starts at 7.30 Australian Eastern Standard Time with the coverage on 7, mate, from 7 o'clock tonight, Australian Eastern Standard Time. So Brownlow Medal on tonight. Normally it's on a Monday night, but with a, with a fortnight break. Lucas, just before we go to the Brown, talking about the players in the, who are up for the Brownlow, Lucas, do you like having a fortnight off before the GF, as they do with the Super Bowl. What are your thoughts on that, my friend? I've got my own. What do you think? Yeah. Initially, I, I was a fan of it, David, um, especially with those with the two sides now we know who are playing, the Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs, who plays with niggling injuries. It gives them an extra week to, week to get over it. But, but I think in the current climate, it may have been more ideal to play through, David, with just the uncertain, uncertainty around around the nation and around the world at the moment. I just thought it may have been potentially in the game's best interest to uh, keep the game flowing and then have the grand final this weekend. But looking back in hindsight, I think it's probably the right... It's, it's not a bad move, in my opinion. I, yes, it sort of breaks the flow of the season a little bit. Um, excuse me for some of the feedback there on the microphone. But no I, I, th- I think it's a good. I think it's a good thing. Look, I do, and I think they may look at it going down the line. It does give players a chance to be cheery, right? Remember, Emperor McGowan wanted them to basically quarantine over there. And if that's the price we pay for having a full crowd at what is a magnificent stadium, I've been watching some highlights of cricket and footy this week at Optus Stadium. What a place that is. It's going to be a great grand final, and it really will be. Considering that I think everybody agrees that the grand final belongs at the MCG, but this is a fantastic venue for the, for the Brownlow medal. Sorry, for the for the grand final and also the Brownlow medal. Just on the Brownlow medal leaderboard, this is the ESPN predictor, and the, the, one of these players will win the Brownlow medal. The top 10 or 11 that I've got on the list here are, are Jackson McRae with just under 20 votes, David Mundy, Zach Merritt, Luke Parker, Tom Mitchell, Darcy Parrish, Sam Walsh, who Lucas mentioned in the year, had an outstanding year, Christian Petrarca, Tuke Miller, who cannot win the Brownlow medal as he's the only one that's been rubbed out in the top group, Marcus Bontempelli, Jack Steele, Clayton Oliver and Ollie Wines. Petrarca and Oliver may cost each other the medal because of how many votes they're going to get. I still think that Miller may win the votes and I still think that Bontempelli will win. But the ESPN's got Ollie Wines due to a couple of late games winning from Clayton Oliver and Jack Steele. Lucas, I'd love your one, two and three, please. Yeah, interesting. Um, with the, you spoke about there with Oliver and... Oliver and Petrarca taking votes from each other. Um, I'll stick with my... Uh, when you asked a few weeks ago, I said Bontempelli um, just before the just before the finals in the last week or two of the regular season. Um, I, th- I think I may still stick with that, but Wine's the real shout, David. Um, yep. I think I think he'll finish second. And then I think it might be quite tight. I'm, I'm thinking Clayton Oliver and Jack Steele. So I'll go Marcus Bontempelli winning the Brownlow medal. Um, obviously, Tuk Miller's there as well. Um, he can't be eligible, but he'll be right up there. But speaking of those who who, who could win it, David, in terms of being uh, eligible, I'll go Bontempelli winning the Brownlow, 
for Ollie Wines to Clayton Oliver, then to Jack Steele in fourth. Okay, thank you very much for that. So, and please keep an eye when if you're watching up later, I won't be up this late. It'll be very late for me. I've got an early start in Sydney tomorrow. But in the last game of the season, the following players are tipped to get big votes, and that's Tom Mitchell, Jack Steele, Clayton Oliver, and Ollie Wine. So they're all tipped to get votes in the last round, round 23. So be a fascinating night. I'm, I'm knowing Lucas Holmes. Louis, are you on duty tomorrow, or are you going to get a chance to watch the Brownlow tonight, my friend? No, working tonight, unfortunately, David, but I'll be uh, keeping track of it through through the evening. It's going to be a great night, as it always is. Obviously, been a little different in the last two years, but doesn't take anything away from a great night that the Brownlow medal is. Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs players will be in separate rooms tonight. You'll see a lot of transitioning from one room to another. The Melbourne and Western Bulldogs players are being kept isolated from each other and everybody else. So it could be a strange all night, particularly if one of their footballers in Oliver or Petrarca or um, McRae or Bontempelli win, they'll be in their own room. So just keep an eye out for that. But that's the world we live in. Lucas, anything else you want to talk about? Again, we will be catching up during the week, everybody, for our grand final potty. Louie, anything else you want to talk about, my friend? Uh, that's all for me, David. There's been a few... Uh our trade movements in terms of unofficially um, until the trade period begins, but we'll do a wrap-up uh, post-season, so I'll keep it for them. Thank you very much. It's been great catching up with Louis again. This has been Lucas and David with our regular AFL podcast. We'll have a podcast during the week specifically to look at the grand final and go through some things there. Lucas, thank you so much for your time. Not a problem. Always great chatting with you, David. As From me as well. On behalf of Louis, this has been David. Take care, everyone. We'll see you during the week. Bye-bye.